Greetings, Jesus. Name this morning. Um, smaller crowd than sometimes, but that's okay. Um, we can still worship the Lord together. <clears throat> I have a couple announcements. I thought I just should make those announcements first, and then maybe after the message, you can lead the song and close. And, um, <clears throat> so the Christmas caroling that was scheduled for Thursday evening is changed to Friday evening. You know, Dave told me, he said, I communicated that to everybody that had said they were planning to come, but in case Friday evening works for you, uh, let Dave know. Uh, the brothers meeting that was scheduled for tomorrow evening is kind of in a holding pattern. Uh, depends on how Dave feels. So watch for an email. He, he said he would communicate whether that will be or not. So um, watch for those um, items. <clears throat> Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we come to you seeking a blessing, seeking your face, seeking you to be here in our midst. You've told us where two or three are gathered together, there, will, there you will be in their midst. And, and so we claim that promise this morning. And I just pray, oh God, that you would just give us open hearts to receive the word into our lives and allow it to change us and mold us and shape us to be like you. Lord, you desire to do a work in us. Uh, you continue to do that work. And, uh, and so we look to you, Lord, to do the work in our hearts. We love you for your goodness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> the title of my message this morning is Failure. <clears throat> Now, I suppose as we, as we think about what does failure look like? What is it? And how, how do we know? Um, you know, in, in, in today, many books, a lot of books that are written have kind of a, um, especially biography, would, would maybe be somewhat unrealistic in what it, it portrays. Many times portraying... Um, God's blessing, what God has done, or something along that line, um, and and that may all be right and good. I'm not saying that's necessarily all wrong, um, but sometimes can portray things in an unrealistic way. <clears throat> but the Bible isn't really that way. If we think, start thinking about it, um, what what does the Bible have to say about failure? Uh, in men's lives, and, and it becomes a, a very realistic picture, uh, a lot more than we sometimes um, like to think or even admit. Um, and yet it becomes, it becomes clear uh, that men that God used had their failures. And, uh, and so I want to look at a couple of those about three or four of those situations and then and maybe talk about it a little bit. 
But <clears throat> maybe the first one we'll look at is Moses. And, and we, you know, if we think about Moses, uh, you know, our, our mind somewhat tends to go to the fact that he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And uh, he gets to the Red Sea, waves his rod, the, it opens up, they walk across. That was, you know, quite a miracle, wasn't it? Um, the glory of God shone from his face. He talked to God. Um, nobody else has, has done it in that way. But he did. But do we think of him as a failure? Well, no, not necessarily. And, and there's, a, there's a verse I want to read uh, a little bit later here that clarifies uh, it clarifies a lot of things about Moses but if we look at Moses life we can see areas where it was like you know why did he do that and how can God use a man that does you know this a murder for instance um, I'll read I'll be readings a little bit in Exodus so if you want to turn to the book of Exodus you can um, <clears throat> chapter 2 verse 11. Uh, is the first first one of these that I want to look at uh, a couple of verses here, but but it portrays to us um, a, a different side of Moses than what we generally think of. Um, and and so um, while God used him in a, in a mighty way, and and He used him to take the children of Israel out of Egypt and and towards the Promised Land, and yet He was a man. Of his own weaknesses, his failures, and and God's word doesn't hide it. It, it tells us this is how it is. This is what he did. Um, and so, when I think about some of the things that in, in Moses' life, first of all, here in Exodus two verse eleven, we see him a murderer. It says, and it came to pass in these days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren. And looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. <clears throat> well, he didn't have the authority to take the Egyptian's life. And so, as far as the law was concerned, he immediately became a murderer. Well, the next day, the story, as the story goes, the next day he goes out. He finds two Hebrews having a disagreement and an argument, and, and one of them says, well, are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? And so all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, this whole thing's out. I got to go. Um, and so he takes off. He runs. <clears throat> and that's sort of our tendency, too. Take off and run. We'll talk, maybe talk about that a little later. But, uh, you know, when the, when the thing became known, that was his response, was to, to leave. And, and, uh, and so, you know, he, he came, it seems like he, he understood, okay, God, God is calling me to, to deliver the, the children of Israel. And, uh, and he, I think he fought back to the things that he'd grown up with and, and that his mother and father had taught him. And uh, and so he's he's looking at it now, and he's in, and having had the experience of growing up, uh, 
and royalty, but he also had uh, history would tell us maybe more in the scripture that that he, he was also a general in the Egyptian army, and so it gave him the experience to lead, and, uh, and so he did that. Um, but maybe he got a little bit of ahead of himself, and he was like kind of taking things in, in, into his own hands, so to speak. But when he understood that the story was out, and so rather than face justice, as we would say, he leaves. He's on the run. <clears throat> Chapter 4, we come back to Moses here, <clears throat> and it's just after the burning bush, verse 10, um, here is where we'll, I'll break into it, but um, <clears throat> we see, we see a, another side of him coming out here, um, and, and in this case, it was simply the fact he didn't believe what God was telling him, uh, it was his unbelief was coming to the surface starting verse 10 and Moses said unto the Lord oh my Lord I'm not eloquent neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto this servant but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue and the Lord said unto him who hath made man's mouth or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind have not I the Lord now therefore go God speak and I will be with, and I will be thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And here's Moses' response. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And now here, here's a response that those, we don't find, I, I'm just trying to, you know, I don't think he gives us this response hardly anywhere else. Now it does say his anger was kindled against the children of Israel as a whole, but, but, as, as a leader, this was kind of an interesting response. A man that God was calling, that says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled. So God was not pleased with what was happening here. And he let it be known. <clears throat> he even said, against Moses. He, he was pointing his finger at Moses and saying, you're the problem. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. So God's, God's telling Moses here, he's, he's, he's saying, since you're not willing to do it, I'm bringing Aaron, and he's going to assist you. In, in be, he's going to speak for you. Now, in a lot of cases this worked out, but there were a few instances where this didn't work out as well during, in, in the history of the children of Israel. Um, <clears throat> you know, when Moses was on the mountain, the people looked to Aaron, and he did what they wanted to do. He built him a calf. And so it didn't work out that well in, in some instances. But, but here he, God says, okay, well, you're not, willing to, you're not willing to do what I want to do. And it says the Lord was angry with him. And, and so he's like, okay, this is my solution then. 
Aaron can, can speak for you. Um, I'll give you the words to say, and you, you tell Aaron what to say, and, and he'll, be, he'll be doing the talking for you. <clears throat> and so, we see Moses here, his unbelief comes to the surface, and he's, he's not willing to, to do what God is asking him to do. And sometimes we, we can respond that way too. You know, we're, we don't want to do what God wants us to do. <clears throat> Chapter 5, verse 22. Here we have another response. This time the response is actually towards God. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, Wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. He's blaming God for the circumstances. He's saying, well, God, you said you were going to deliver the people, and, and here we are. Uh, the problem is just getting worse, and you haven't really done what you said you were going to do. And, and so he's like... He's trying, to, he's trying to accuse God of, of making a commitment, but like we talked about earlier in Sunday school, uh, you know, we want something, but, but, or maybe it was Marvin that said, you know, but, but God, you're not answering me. And uh, this seems to be his response. Well, God, you're not answering me. Uh, you're not doing what you said you were going to do. And, and, so, um, and so he's... He's responding in a way that is saying, um, well, God, it's your fault. Uh, seems to be the, the kind of the idea of where, he, where he's going. He's, he's blaming God for the problem. <clears throat> Numbers 20, uh, verse, starting verse 7, we have another uh, side of, of Moses here. Says, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so shalt thou give the congregation and their beasts drink. Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Here now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. <clears throat> so this is the incident that took place where God said, You're not going to enter the promised land. He didn't do what God had told him. God said, Take your staff. But he didn't say hit the rock, which he had done previously. He said, speak to the rock. Tell the rock to, to give water. But I think as, as we look at the situation that seems to have, have arisen here, um, the people are murmuring, complaining, we don't have water. Why did you bring us into the wilderness? Here we are, nothing to drink. And, and so his response is sort of a response of anger. It's like, okay, you're, you're, why are you like this? You're just a bunch of rebels. You can just hear him kind of respond in the scripture. 
kind of puts it into one little phrase here, but um, but we we can just imagine, you know, his response was not that different from ours sometimes. You know, we look at a situation that, well, why don't you understand? Uh, why are you that way? That seems to be his response here. He says, he calls them rebels. And then he says, must we fetch you rock, water out of this rock? He raises the question. Well, he, it, and so, in his anger, he takes his rod, beats the rock twice, there's the water. Comes out abundantly, it says. Well, you know, looking at Moses' life, it's really not that different, you know. We face, he faced the same things we do sometimes. You know, it was his anger, his, his wanting to blame God for the circumstances and his unbelief. Uh, hopefully none of us is a murderer, but, but, you know, in this case, he was. And yet he was a leader. Uh, God used him in a mighty way. Well, Hebrews 3.5 gives us a, kind of a, a picture of Moses' life. And it says, and Moses verily was faithful. There you have it. He was faithful. In all his house, a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. So his, his life was a testimony of God's faithfulness. <clears throat> you know, he faced life. And he faced difficult circumstances at times. And yet, in, in, uh, and yet in life, in spite of the circumstances that he faced, here he was, and, and, uh, and, and God in a picture tells us he's a faithful servant. And that's what we want from our lives. We want to be known as a faithful servant. It's not saying there's not those things that we have to deal with sometimes. There's, not, there's those failures in our lives. There's those things we have to work on. But at the end of the day, we want it to be said he was faithful. <clears throat> now I want to think about Jacob for a couple minutes. I'm not going to read as much about Jacob as I did about, about Moses here, but I want to think about him for a couple minutes. The scripture says, We serve the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And so, he says, he calls it, calls him the God, he says the God of Jacob here. So, so think about that. But think about who he was. Well, so one of the early things in his life that we read about was his, when he deceived Isaac. He comes and he pretends to be Esau. He says, I want the birthright and the blessing. Well, Isaac was like, sounds like Jacob. What seems to be Esau. So he was a schemer. He, he, he was looking for a way to get what he wanted. <clears throat> and so at the end of the day, uh, we could say he stole the birthright. He stole the blessing from, from Esau. Um, and so, and so in, in, in the bigger picture, but we also see him having the vision of the latter. Um, and and he gets he gets to to his penile where where he's wrestling with God, um, and so so these are all, this all part of his life, but uh, it was also uh, it, there's an interesting uh, part of his life that we we rarely look at, but I, I found pretty interesting. Um, 
Genesis 29, verse 31 and 32 give us a, a picture here of a, a little bit of a different side of Jacob as well. It says, And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, Leah was his wife at the time, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren, and Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord had looked upon my affliction, now therefore my husband will love me. <clears throat> Nobody, by our standards today, you know, even though polygamy was involved in, in their life at the, at, the, at the moment, it wasn't taking a responsibility for his, for his wife and, and his, his family. And so Leah looks at it and she says, well, okay, I, you know, I have a son. Well, maybe Jacob will take some responsibility and love me. Um, but it doesn't seem, but she, she makes a statement. This, this statement was made several times. Um, when, when more children were born. But Jacob seems to have, have kind of pushed her back and, uh, and he, he wanted something else. And so this gives us a picture of a, of a, a man that wasn't faithful in, in, in his, in, to, his, to his wife. And, and so uh, it kind of gives us, uh, gives us that picture. But at the end of the day, Scripture tells us we serve the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And so it still gives us the picture of his faithfulness and of his love for the Lord, in spite of, every, in spite of the failures that we have recorded of him. <clears throat> David, a man after God's own heart. <clears throat> well, there's also some failures in David's life, isn't there? And, and this is a story we maybe know a little better than some others. Um, well, let's just think about it for a minute. <clears throat> In 2 Samuel chapter 12, uh, we have the, the record here of, of uh, where Nathan comes, and we, and we have this conversation recorded. 2 Samuel 12, verse 7. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. And so he had just, he had just uh, told him the story of the man who had taken the sheep and, uh, from, from his neighbor, even though he had lots of them, and, uh, and served it to his guest. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee my master's house, thy master's house, and thy masters, wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou didst it secretly but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. 
David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. How be it? Because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Well, so Nathan, Nathan the prophet comes here and and he's he's right in David's face, isn't he? He's he's like, You're the man. You did it. <clears throat> and so as we look at this, as we look at this uh, account, we can we can kind of make a little story out of it here, but but in essence, it was a murder. Uh, you know, he he used the children of Ammon to accomplish his purpose. But Nathan told him, um, "Thou hast killed Uriah. He's, he's, you did it. You were the murderer." Um, he had given instruction to Job of of what to do, and and you know, had David taken responsibility and done what he should have been doing at the at the time, uh, it says it was the time of the year when the kings went to war. But instead of going with his army. Like he should have, he was at home taking it easy, kind of, in a sense where you say he was just being lazy, and and so uh, rather than take responsibility for the army and be out there and and give direction, he just turned it over to Job, and he said, "You go," and uh, and so and so he's he's at home, he's on the rooftop, he's taking a nap, and he's just like, I, I'm. I'm just tired. I'm 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 just gonna sit down, and uh, and so it was in that circumstance that he he saw Uriah's wife. Well, <clears throat> he says you did it secretly, but and then he he goes on and concludes and he says the child's going to die. You know we we can look at David's life. We're like okay. So there's, so there's three things that, that really took place here. First of all, he was a murderer. He killed Uriah. The second thing is he stole Uriah's wife. And the third thing is he had an illegitimate child. And so it's hardly in the picture of a man after God's own heart, is it? It's like a man that's living for himself and wanting to do his own thing and, and uh, just be who he wants to be. Forget about God. But we see his repentance in, in uh, Psalm 51 gives us that picture um, of David's repentance and, and so on. We're not going to turn there today, but, but it does give us that picture and, and it, it uh, brings it to light of, of his response to, to this. In, in this case, we, we just have a, a, a one sentence where David says, I have sinned against the Lord. So he, he recognized what he had done, and, and I think this, uh, that Psalm, Psalm 51, I think gives us more of a picture of his response to that. But uh, Nathan says, the Lord hath put away thy sin. Um, <clears throat> and so in spite of his failures, you know, God was still able to use him, and God still continued to use him um, to, to lead and to be king. And so in, in spite of his failures, when the response was right, God still was able to say, I'm still able to use you uh, in spite of, of what you've done. <clears throat> uh, 
Well, jumping to the New Testament, this, this little incident is maybe a little bit different, but I think it also gives us a picture of human nature and, and of how it can work. Uh, in Acts 15, verse 36 uh, through 41, we have a, we have a short um, incident here about Paul and Barnabas. It says, And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again, visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. And Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from them in Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. And so they had a vision to continue in the work that they had started. And, uh, and so when the thought came or, or when the discussion came up and they were like, well, let's, let's take John along. Barnabas wanted to take John. Paul said, well, he wasn't faithful before, so why are we taking him along? Why do, what's, the, what's the point? Um, and so it, it says the contention was sharp. So they had quite a disagreement, I think. And uh, uh, I sort of envisioned them having an argument like, you know, well, we all know what it is to have an argument with somebody where, where it's like, it's your problem. And, they, you know, no, your problem like, type of a thing. <clears throat> and so uh, they, re they responded in different ways. Now, I find verse 40 to be somewhat interesting in, in this conversation because there it says, Paul chose Silas and departed, and then it says, being recommended by the brethren. And so it sort of seems to imply that while the contention was there, maybe there was some repentance there, uh, and, and so when the time came to go, it says he, could be, he was recommended by the brethren. So... So be that as it may, I just kind of read that, maybe I read that between the lines there, but sort of drew that out of that. But uh, Galatians 2 um, gives us a little thought here. Uh, it seems to imply that, that, that uh, they had been reconciled. And it says, verse 9, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, that gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. So there seems to be, the, the healing seems to have been there. Um, or at least they were reconciled. Well, <clears throat> so these people faced circumstances that are so common to us, aren't they? Uh, we see these things. Human nature hasn't changed in the last 2,000 years. It's still like it was. And we face similar circumstances in life. But, you know, it's our response to, to what happens is what makes all the difference. And, and that was the response that, we, that uh, is so important. And, and so what does that response look like? from us when we face difficulties and what could those difficulties be to us <clears throat> well I think there's 
there's lots of different things to think that we could places we could go but uh, you know I'll just name a couple and and I'm what I have here isn't all inclusive and so it's not saying that what I'm sharing here is necessarily what you're facing at the moment but you know is there tension between husband and wife so that that's one thing I think that we need to work out and when those things do happen um, you know, when there's tension in, uh, in, our, in our marriage, um, that seems to bring tension to the church as well. <clears throat> Where we can be facing discouragement. There's bitterness. There's anger. There's lust. Or there can be evil imaginations about others. We can face the sin of pride. So these are all things that we have to work with at times. And, and they're very real problems that we face in life. <clears throat> You know, we can make a choice here. So we can face our problem, our failure, our circumstances, whatever it is. We can face it head on. Or we can do what Jonah did or Adam, you know, Peter. Peter didn't like what he didn't like when Jesus looked at him. What does he do? He leaves. He runs. But he did one thing there. He wept bitterly. Why? He regretted what he had done. I think there was a repentance there that I think we can learn from. You know, he, he immediately made the response that was human. Well, just leave. But as he had time to process it, I think it was like, but I did the wrong thing. It, and so it was his response, I think, that made the difference. Well, Jonah was a little the same way. He spends those three days in the, in, in, in the whale and... and uh, and so, all of a sudden, well, he has a change of heart. He, he begins to reconsider where he's at and what's going on. And, uh, and so, he's, he heads back to Nineveh. Adam, you know, he sinned when he ate that fruit. What did he do? He hid. So, so these men all had a similar response to the problem that they faced and what happened in their lives. <clears throat> But you know, when they responded correctly, when it came, when it came down to it and, and they responded in repentance, God was still there. And he was still able to use these people. Um, and so, you know, we can do a lot the same. You know, we can run if we want to. We can hide in fear. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately, that is the response of many people. They, they face a dilemma in life, a problem, a failure. And what do they do? They run in fear. And they never come back and find God. And I think, you know, we can, you know, Revelations tells us the fearful unbelieving will be in the lake of fire. And so I think it's giving us a picture. We can respond right or we can run in fear and we can face God's judgment in the end. And so there's two different outcomes to, to how we respond to what happens in our lives. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 10 Verse 3 says, For we walk in the flesh, so that's us. We do not war after the flesh. So our, our warfare is not with a gun. Our warfare is against the, the, uh, the spirits that are out there that we can't see. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, 
bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So here it is. He's telling us, you can be this way. You're not fighting a physical war. You're fighting a spiritual war. And, and those enemies are out there. Those spirits are out there seeking to deceive. <clears throat> but we can be, we can be the Jonah. We can be the, the Peter. We can run. But, you know, we can't use the excuse, I'm too weak. Yeah, that's where we want to go. That's our, that's, a, the, that's our inclination is just to be like, well, I'm too weak. You, you don't understand. I can't do it. I can't win. And so what's the answer? <clears throat> well, I think there's, there's, a couple, there's a couple things that we see in, in the response of the, of the men that we talked about. And one of them is they had faith. And the second thing is they turned to the Lord in prayer and worship. And I think that is a lot of the key um, to, to, to the things that we face in life and circumstances where maybe we do fail. But our response to God needs to be that response of worship. We come back and worship to the God of heaven, and that response from our hearts begins to change our outlook again. Um, now, Jesus gave us one other thing. Um, he said uh, in Matthew 4, records this temptation and all and in in the um all three instances of the temptation that he brought jesus said it is written so he was using god's word to say but this is what god says this is where we're at and this is so this is how he responds to satan and so i think it's giving us a picture an idea we need to understand god's word we need to seek Him through His Word. And, and as we are familiar with Him and we understand Him, we can respond to the enemy in much the same way. And we can be like, but this is what the Scripture says. And so, I'm not doing it your way. Get thee behind me. And so, it's our, our response can make all the difference. Um, <clears throat> and so, the response... For the believer, I believe, is, is there failure in our lives? Sometimes those things do happen. But our response to that, I think, needs to be we return to God in worship and praise and adoration, and, and it changes our outlook. When we run in fear and don't return, we're just headed for the lake of fire because it tells us that the fearful are there. Uh, but our response needs to be that response of worship and praise and adoration to, to our great God. I'd like to just read a few verses here from Psalm 25 yet. In fact, this is, this is a song. Um, I don't know if we, maybe we can sing it, I'm not sure. It's like, I guess it's up to you, Marvin. I'll let it up to you, but... Um, I just thought it just kind of fits kind of as a closing, closing verses to, to what I shared. It says, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. It's coming back to God in praise. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Don't let the enemy have this way. <clears throat> Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. 
Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me, for thy goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. <clears throat> this is as far as I'll read, but I think it gives us a picture of the response of a man who is seeking after God, a man who is responding to God. You know, not that he didn't fail. You know, these people's lives that we looked at, there were failures in their lives. There were also those things that they did right, which we obviously didn't cover this morning. <clears throat> but it was the response in the time of failure when they came back, and it was, it was in this case, you know, this is David writing, and, and he's bringing praise to his God. Now, I don't know if this was before or after his fall, and I don't know that it really matters, but I think it gives us the thought, you can respond right, you can respond in praise, or you can be running in fear and trying to hide in, uh, you know, when something does happen, our first response is almost always, I, I cover it up, run, do what it takes so that nobody knows this thing. Well, you know, sometimes, sometimes it takes the Lord a while to get us to understand, well, you can't respond that way. Other times, you know, we, can re we see that fairly quickly, but we still have a choice to make. We still have to respond in the right way. And so, do we respond in praise and worship, or do we continue to run in fear and, uh, and try to hide? You know, we're not going to hide from God um, much as we sometimes, our, our human side wants to hide, uh, and, and sometimes we believe we can hide, and yet God is still there. He continues to knock on our door. We've all had those experiences, in, and so, um, my encouragement this morning is let's respond in praise and worship when those, those, those times that we struggle, when those, there's those times that we fa may fail where we have things that, that are just beyond our, beyond our um, way of doing things. And we, we don't see the light sometimes. And we're, we're wondering how do we get to the under, other end of that tunnel? And, and we don't know. But when we come and worship, it can change everything for us. We see God as the God who can deliver me and who can change my course in life. And so our response makes all the difference uh, to the outcome at the end of our life. May God bless each of you and uh, let's continue to seek Him and worship Him because He is worthy.